Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Folks, do I have a show for you today? I promise this interview won't disappoint. The interview I have, I don't usually interview people on the podcast, as you well know. Only in unprecedented moments do I do that, and they are doing it today with a former FBI agent. The interview is so powerful, I'm going to have this individual back on my Fox show on Saturday night, too. There are two just mind-blowing nuggets in this coming up. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. I promise this interview will not disappoint. Gives us the inside scoop on some things he noticed as now a criminal defense attorney and formerly an FBI agent about the Trump raid that I promise you have not heard before. The interview will not disappoint. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com, and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. All right, Joe, it's Friday, so... It's Friday! Yeah! Thanks, Joe. Okay, so listen, I don't typically do interviews on the podcast. I do them on on my radio show and TV show. You get it. Uh, But... I need some specific expertise about the inner workings of the FBI, given the absolute abomination that happened at Mar-a-Lago with this raid. An abomination. What the FBI and DOJ did down there, absolutely disgraceful, and has reset the country to a new dark place, which is really frightening. We don't need to be in that place. This is a constitutional republic, ladies and gentlemen, if we can keep it. I have Stuart Kaplan on. Stuart Kaplan spent many years with the FBI. We know some of the same people. I had met him through, through a friend. I'm going to interview. This interview is about 25 minutes long. He makes a point in this interview about getting in and out quickly if you're the FBI. And why weren't they in and out quickly at the Trump location of Mar-a-Lago? And why didn't they let Trump's lawyer in? He makes a point about that. And another point about the lock on the room and the Secret Service's role in this that I have to tell you, I didn't even think of. Here's Stuart Kaplan. Check this out. All right. I want to welcome to the show for the first time a man who served the country in the FBI uh, and is here to provide some expert commentary on uh, the growing scandal about what happened at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, former FBI agent Stuart Kaplan. Stuart, welcome to the show. Good to be with you. Thank you. You got it. So, Stuart, you worked at the FBI. You were an agent there. You're obviously familiar with the processes. This raid at Mar-a-Lago for a former president, we've never seen anything like this in American history. Uh, in your experience, this isn't the kind of thing that just would have originated in the local Palm Beach field office, is it? No, absolutely not. I mean, as a matter of fact, Dan, just, you know, I worked special ops for a number of years when I first started my career at 
in 26 Federal Plaza in New York City. Uh, we worked a lot of politicians, and I can tell you those high-profile cases go from the director down maybe to the special agent in charge level. People are walled off because of the sensitive nature of those type of investigations. So this certainly would not have been disseminated to, you know, outside the field offices. Stuart, I really, I can't get past what a genuinely awful idea this raid was. Uh, uh, listen, I remember my time as, a, as an agent. When you were new, they'd give you treasury check cases. Someone got their tax refund stolen or whatever. And uh, there was one time this lady called a congressman because she didn't think we were working on her case fast enough. Congressman called our office up in uh, New York. And it was like, forget, it was like the Messiah had called. The whole office was like, had to go out and investigate this. It was like a $2,000 tax check, right? So that's kind of strange. Like a congressman about a constituent calls and sets a fire to a federal agency. And yet this is a case about a former president and nobody sat around in headquarters and thought to themselves, gosh, there's going to be some really serious fallout here. We better bring the goods. Well, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Look, at FBI headquarters, and I will identify for what it is, it's the seventh floor mentality. And why do I identify as the seventh floor mentality? That's where the director sits with all of his underlings, the deputy directors, and thereafter. And, you know, look, you have to put this case in context. It's not just August of 2022. This goes back to May of 2017, when then-director James Comey was there and was fired. They should have come into that building with a bulldozer and have cleared out that entire seventh floor. You have a culture that pre-existed Christopher Ray, And by the way, you know, he was there during the Comey years. And so this is just born out of that kind of just where we can do it as we please and we can have our arms twisted. We're not going to be neutral. We're not going to be detached. We're not going to be unbiased. If someone wants to utilize us and politicalize an issue, we may be the people that you want to use. And this is exactly what you're seeing play out. This is a new culture, not a culture that existed when I was at the FBI. Yeah, you know, I've said that often. I remember working a financial fraud task force out in Long Island, New York with, Ly- in Ly- you know, Lyra. They have the Long Island resident agency out there. Well, I, you probably know a couple of the guys I work with. I mean, they were great guys. They were the former, you know, street cop type of guys. They worked bank robberies. You know, they went home to their kids at night. They, they were good guys. And I, you know, I have no hesitation in saying that even now. They were not these types of guys. And I think the problem you have um, a, a former FBI agent who shall remain nameless, but was an executive, is, is a, called me once and he told me the people running the FBI during Spygate and people like tonight, he called them briefers. They've never worked a bank robbery. They've never worked any kind of hard street crime. They're briefers. They give good briefings. They wear nice ties. They, they do a couple headquarters rotations. And next thing you know, they're the deputy director of the FBI. He said, that's the problem with the bureau. There's not enough cops and there's too many lawyers. Dan, let me Dan, let me even put it in better context. And you did a great job. When you're miserable in a field office, such as when a guy from Kalamazoo, somewhere out in you know Podunk, is getting assigned to New York City field office, coming out of the academy, he can be there for less than two years, raise his hand, and go to headquarters on a transfer, and then get his supervisory uh, card punched stay at headquarters and become a supervisor with less than five years experience, go back and out into the field office and now attempt to supervise guys that would have 15 and 20 and 25 years of experience. You know how that plays out? 
that doesn't work very well. And so that is the bureau mentality in modern day, and it just is not working. And so you, you hit the nail right on the head. You got these guys back at headquarters who have zero common sense, zero field experience, zero investigative experience. And now you have a different culture out there. That's what it is. You know, Stuart, not to compare the two because it's ridiculous. The Secret Service has its own problems, um, but I work there. It's, I, one thing I can say they did right was the promotion thing. You, in order to get to the president's detail, you had to spend eight to 10 years in the field, eight to 10 years. Then you'd have to do three to five on the detail, the presidency, before you were even eligible for promotion. So by the time a guy got back to the field, he'd work cases. He'd been on protective details. I mean, this creates a real culture rod problem. And that's why you get guys like McCabe, who's more concerned about his suits and his new car and his wife running for office than he is about actually following this thing called the Constitution. And I saw that when I left and it only got worse. And so the culture of if you're disgruntled, you're unhappy, you just don't like where you are. You go to headquarters, you get your card punched. And then you go back out and you infect the other guys that are coming out of the academy. And this is just a repeat of, you know, wash and rinse and repeat. And that's what you're seeing, you know, the culture of the Bureau. That's what it is. We're talking to Stuart Kaplan, spent many years with the FBI. Let's get into the specifics of this case. So some breaking news yesterday from uh, Newsweek. Newsweek put out a report indicating that they may have had a CHS, a confidential human source involved in this operation that indicated that there may have been some documents there at Mar-a-Lago. A couple of questions for you. I'll hit the first one first. Um, these confidential human sources, Stuart, this is not the first time we've had a confidential human source embedded in the Trump campaign. We, we actually know the names of the people the FBI has paid and one of the FBI's employees and her pseudonym that were embedded during the Spygate thing. I mean, what for in your experience... There's got to be some extra layer of 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 uh, kind of oversight when you're talking about people essentially spying inside a president or former president's campaign and post presidency. How does this keep happening? These spies keep magically turning up. Well, look, you have the attorney general guidelines where those are the rules and regulations and procedures that are supposed to be followed, not only from the FBI's perspective, but all through the United States attorney's office. That is something that is systemic that I even saw with respect to just the go around, the backdoor approach, the exploitation of trying to target someone who certainly had a hands off, meaning the policy said that only, quote unquote, under extraordinary circumstances in matters of national security. And it must have been well documented and not only well documented, you know, not hearsay, not rumor, not conjecture, but actual corroboration with respect to securing that information to know that it was trustworthy, it was reliable. And also, and I'm sure you would remember a routing slip that would have to be checked off by, you know, 10 Indian chiefs to include in that political type of case, the director himself. Again, this is what's happening. This is a culture issue that needs to be broken in, within the FBI. Yeah, I mean, it just seems to me, uh, you know, perplexing that these Smell. these 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 ch yeah they do these these human sources just keep appearing. I mean, if 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 the if the liberal media would hear tomorrow that the FBI was developing and cultivating confidential human sources in the White House. On the Joe Biden case, there'd be an uproar, but it seems like he's a you know protected class right now. Let me let me get on to a different question. Let's process wise. 
Um, you know, the audience, uh, many of them weren't federal agents. They have, you know, like I said, they have jobs, they work for a living, they're doing really hard stuff, but uh, it helps to provide that behind the curtain. When you're swearing out a warrant in front of a magistrate judge, like happened in this case at Mar-a-Lago, you have to put down specifically what you believe is evidence of a crime and why you believe that evidence is right there. And you have to describe exactly the premises you're looking to search. You know, in this case, it seems really strange because the third, it appears according to new information on June 3rd, the FBI and DOJ were already at Mar-a-Lago and former President Trump was already cooperating, according to multiple reports. So it appears this was just a dispute over what he should give back and what not. Does that sound to you like probable cause of a crime, willful destruction of records? No, absolutely not. In fact, it's it's to the contrary. I mean, the, the warrant, the affidavit would have to be specific and the words are particularity. And not only does the information contained in the warrant have to address with specifics and particularity, the information has to be trustworthy. It has to be credible. You have to have done a litmus test for its reliability. Look, Dan, this is a fishing expedition. They came in under the auspice of, of utilizing this you know, national security issue with respect that he's in possession of archived documents. It, it, this has less to do with archived documents than more to do to say, listen, let's get through the front door or really the back door and let's see if we find anything else. And then if we find anything else, at least we have our cover because it'll it'll pass the smell test. If every, anybody looks at the warrant, they'll say, well, he did have national uh, security documents. And so that's our cover. But the reality is if they find something else that may be related to something else that they knew they didn't have the evidence to corroborate or to prove, then they'll make a case. And that's not the way the Bureau was set up to, you know, to conduct criminal investigations. It's Stuart, that's, a, that's a critical point and to the audience. I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to re-ask this again because he made a really important point there. You have to understand with federal agents and search warrants, if you're there searching for evidence of this particular crime and say you open a drawer and you find a firearm and you find out later that firearm was used in a crime, you're not obligated to say, oh, I didn't see that. I was looking for a CD on a check fraud case. If you find evidence of another crime, you can use that evidence and then run with that as well. Can you just, just explain that again so they understand what a, what a pretext could mean here? Yeah, you, you don't go in with blinders on and say, we're authorized to seize X. But if I see Y, you know, if, I'm, if X is a gun and I see Y, which is, you know, kilos of cocaine, it doesn't mean I keep my right. blinders on and just go take the gun. I'm going to also now take the kilos of cocaine and open up a trafficking case against that individual. But Dan, let me, let me even go one step further. If there is some truth, and I can tell you this unwavering and without hesitation, because I've been on both sides, not only in the bureau side, but in my criminal defense side, when I would execute a search warrant in my professional life as being an FBI agent, I always welcomed to have an attorney show up on set because it kind of gave us a layer of protection because then I didn't have to deal with the accusations that maybe we were disruptive or we damaged the, you know, some property or we did something that was improper. We always liked the fact that lawyers were there. And I can also tell you in my professional life as being a criminal defense attorney that when I show up on, 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 on set when a search warrant is being executed, the first thing I do is I introduce myself to the case agent and I say, hey, Mr. Case Agent, what are you looking for 
because maybe I can make it easier for you. And let me just take you or get what you're looking for. And here you go and have a nice day because FBI agents really don't want to stay on set any longer than they have to stay on set. And so this is the real world. If there's any truth or any validity to the fact that they stonewalled these lawyers to keep them on the outside, that's concerning because if they knew they were only looking for documents, the lawyers would have said, hey, go to this room. Here are 15 boxes of documents. Here they are. Take a hand truck and see you later. But it's such a good point. There you go. And and so that's the ruse. See, that's nobody has said that yet. Again, you know, see, I'm real because I have a real life experience as a lawyer. Listen, Dan. If you're my client, I'm going to say, hey, Dan, they're looking for a gun. Let, listen, they're going to tear your place apart. Yeah, is the gun here? If you say, Stuart, the gun is here, I'll say, listen, Dan, go get the freaking gun. Let's get them the gun and get them the hell out because we don't want them tearing your place apart. For Listen, for just like you and I discussed, maybe they'll find something else that they didn't even know about. Here's okay. the gun. Have a good day. Right? So you know, they came in looking for documents. Here are the documents. Bye-bye. I just got done on my show yesterday saying how when you're in cable news and something hot, a story like this, which is wall to wall on TV, you hear the same talking points over and over again. You just do. When I hear something valuable like that, that's why you're such a a valuable guest. Folks, understand what he just said. They're there strictly for Presidential Records Act, alleged violations and a couple of classified napkins Kim Jong-un wrote on. It's of no interest whatsoever to Trump or the FBI if they're acting ethically to dig through whatever, 50,000 square feet of Mar-a-Lago. Get the hell out of here. You got people outside complaining. The lawyer shows up. Here it is. Thanks, guys. Have a nice day. Well, you made a great point. The fact that they didn't let Trump's lawyers in there, kept them outside, and apparently were very arrogant and told them, hey, we have a premise for the whole location, says to me, this was just a pretext to get in there and look for other stuff the entire time. And look anywhere and everywhere. And by the way, just so your viewers even understand that further, you know, when you're looking at the warrant describes, you know, something that necessarily couldn't fit within, you know, a, a small closet or something, you can't necessarily justify looking for that object because, you know, a car can't be in a dresser drawer. Right? right. I mean, so uh, there's so many issues here that just smell. And Dan, listen, I'm just telling you, no agent I've ever worked with wants to stay on set longer than they have to be. They want to get in and they want to get out. Why? Because they either want to go to the gym, they want to go back to the office, or in this case, and I'll tell you the way it was, these agents were flown in from Washington, D.C. That's right. They were flown in, dropped off in Mar-a-Lago. They did their business. They went back to the airport, got on a bureau plane and flew right back to Washington. So listen, if I was Trump's lawyer, I would have said, listen, guys, what are you looking for? Are you looking for the box of stocks? Here, here's the closet. Here's the 15 boxes of documents, do me a favor, leave me the inventory sheet, photograph it and take it out. Letting them just go through the entire property. Come on. That's ridiculous. It never happens. It shouldn't happen. And it's not consistent with the bureau operates under normal circumstances. It's it's so bizarre. And and there was another thing I'd like to get your professional opinion on. And it's an open question. It's not one of those questions I already have the answer to. And I'm asking to be a wise guy. I really don't understand this part either. So some recent reporting by John Solomon, who's always been good with me, he's always had reliable sources, is that uh, subsequent to this June 3rd meeting a while ago when DOJ and FBI a couple months ago show up for these documents, they meet Trump, apparently meets him personally, um, according to all reports, it ended cordially. 
After that, the FBI and DOJ get in contact with the Secret Service. They say, listen, there are these documents in this room. We don't like the locking mechanism there. Doesn't seem secure enough to us. Um, can the Secret Service go in and uh, and put on a new lock? It seems really strange now. That was a that, setup, Dan. That, that was it, a setup because that's go, your go confidential ahead, yeah. human source. Because that's what I said. I said, listen, the Secret Service guys are there 24-7. This was a complete setup. That was a complete ruse. They needed a reliable source, someone who has credibility and who's trustworthy. And listen, Dan, you know it. Who's more trustworthy than a sworn Secret Service agent who can testify or raise his right hand or swear, yes, the safe is this safe, and yes, it would not comport with what would be necessary to maintain or safeguard national security type of documents. And so, boom, there's your affidavit. There's your confidential human source. Now you go before a magistrate and you pass all the litmus tests, all the smell tests, and he signs the warrant. Brilliant point. So what you're suggesting, just to recap and correct me if I'm wrong, is that Secret Service, their motto is worthy of trust and confidence. No one's going to doubt their bona fides. That they go to them and go, hey, guys, listen, this obviously isn't a satisfactory locking mechanism for these documents, right? Doesn't meet government standards. It's be a how skift. about, how about be a what? Skift. A skiff, right. A sensitive compartmentalized information facility, folks. For this, We're talking federal jargon here. Yes. But they say, listen, this isn't secure enough. If you Secret Service guys who do this for a living, you know what you're doing. Why don't you come in and then put on an official lock, making this officially secure? And then we get you to testify later that the lock before it wasn't secure. Is, 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 am I summing that up right? A hundred percent. You did it. You did it perfectly. Oh, you did it man. perfectly. But you see, it's such a setup because <laughs> the argument is both ways, because it's number one, that he wasn't rightfully within his right to keep them or be in possession of them because he's no longer the president of the United States. And then the fallback argument is if he has them, he's not retaining them or safeguarding them properly. I mean, which one do you want to pick? Right. Yeah. Either he shouldn't have them or he has them, but he's not keeping them safely. Oh, it's nonsense. So- yeah, incredible insight. Uh, Stuart, a couple, just a couple more things. I appreciate your time. We're talking to Stuart Kaplan, spent many years with the FBI, as uh, a lawyer now, seen both sides of this. You know, the, the FBI, I remember on our side, we had a very small congressional operation. You know, the Bureau and all these federal agencies have detailees up on the Hill for obvious reasons. They want to make sure they get their funding. They kiss their asses. You know how that whole thing works. The Secret Service was not good at this. We had like three guys up there. They were all nice guys, but no one knew how to play the system. It was just a mess, Right. I remember one of the guys who shall remain nameless, but I'm sitting up within the jock one night with him, the joint operations center. We're on a midnight. We're chatting about his time up on Capitol Hill. And he's like, man, I got to tell you, these bureau guys got it down. He goes, they got like a 15, 20 man unit full time up there. He goes, it's like K street lobbyists. He goes, these guys really know what they're doing. I bring that up because the bureau, whether they say it or not, cares about public relations. They do. Their image matters to them as it should. You can't tell me with a straight face that they really thought that the fallout from this was going to be, I mean, this has been a tsunami of negative press. And I'm just wondering when during your time there, what do you think's going on behind the scenes here? Are they like running around with chickens, like with their heads cut off? I think that they're obstinate. I think that they truly are believing that what they're doing is that the reward is worthy of the risk. Look, Dan, this was like taking a hand grenade, pulling the pin, throwing it into a crowded room, walking away, understanding and appreciating exactly what was going to happen, appreciating and knowing what the collateral damage was. And and I'm going to be honest with you, they're high-fiving themselves right now on the seventh floor because this is exactly what they wanted to happen. But 
I'm not so sure they really properly calculated that this may even affect those people that are on the other side to maybe say, you know what, even if I don't like this guy, Donald Trump, even if I didn't go along with, you know, the former president's agenda and who he is, this is not what I signed up for as being American living here in the United States of America. And they may have made a fatal miscalculation of how the fallout really was going to play out. Hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break and I'll be back with a final question about that with Stuart Kaplan. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall credit card bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate mega stores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. We're back with Stuart Kaplan, former FBI agent. Stuart, last, uh, last question for you. You made the point before the break that they may not have appropriately calculated the fallout from this, and I agree with you. Um, what do you think the fallout could be here? Let's say the Republicans take back Congress and the House. They're obviously furious. A litany of disasters, the Hunter Biden thing, the Spygate thing, the collusion hoax. Um, now this, the raid at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, do you see, a, you've been there, you know on the inside, the lobbying power of the FBI do you see a, a, a just a house cleaning in headquarters or just maybe they fire the director and status quo, nothing changes? Like I said, I think in May of 2017, there should have been a full house cleaning from the top down. And I, I, I think that the bureau has always been very uh, careful with respect to the optics. Listen, I worked under Louis Free and Bob Mueller, and I will tell you, I have the highest regard and the highest respect, certainly for Louis Free. For Louis Free, I think he's an absolute gentleman. I think he he was very concerned about the men and women in the field office. I think he was very conscious and aware of the reputation that we all wanted to have and how the public perceived us. This is not the case, and so to me, the only remedy is you're going to have to fire the director. You're going to have to fire all his underlings. You got a clean house and build it back up. Because Dan, at the end of the day, listen, back in May of 2017, the integrity was front and center. I mean, people were questioning whether or not we could trust the FBI. I'm going to be honest with you. Never in my lifetime would I say this, and I'm going to say it again. The legitimacy of the Federal Bureau of Investigation is front and center now. I'm not so sure that I would even object to maybe OIG, the Office of Inspector General, coming in and taking control of the FBI, because I'm not so sure it can operate without oversight. That's how bad things are presently in August of 2022. Wow. That's saying a lot. I don't disagree with you. I've said repeatedly that we need a very powerful internal affairs, uh, kind of a supercharged inspector general uh, to, to, to get a hold of this, to get the reins in. I mean, they're just really supervising. Their, the IG's office is weak. Everybody knows it. Um, Stuart Kaplan, really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining the show. It's my pleasure. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Stuart Kaplan. I told you, that is, I, I, did I not say it? That point about the Secret Service and the lock being a setup and how them being on the scene and not letting the lawyers in says that they weren't really there looking for what they say they were looking for. They just wanted to look around in kind of a general warrant way is incredible. We're going to have more with him on my Fox show uh, tomorrow night, Saturday at 9 p.m. Please don't miss it. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Stuart Kaplan. As you can see, the studio looks a little different. Uh, we had a pre-record some component of the show because I had a um, 
very special meeting last night. I'll get to that in a second, but I just want you to remember the two takeaways from that interview. Stewart's an FBI, was an FBI agent, is now a criminal defense attorney. So he's seen this from both sides. That point he made, I can't emphasize this enough, about the lawyers being kept out of there for a reason. Trump's lawyers, who could have assisted in the search, means they didn't want help because they didn't want to know where what they were looking for was, if you get what I mean. Oh, we don't know. Yeah, but we can tell you where it is. Yeah, but you're not allowed in. So then they can search everything. And then that point about the Secret Service was brilliant. What better way than to get them on the record saying that the lock was unsatisfactory and use them, a, a, a credible source, as part of your search warrant? I mean, it's just the setup here is is just staggering. I hope you enjoyed that. Now, the reason everything looks a little different, I had a pre-record. I had a meeting last night. You'll see in this picture up on the screen, uh, Paul and I um, had dinner with President Trump last night for about two hours or so. Uh, I was always honored uh, to have dinner with the former president. And uh, a couple of things, you know, obviously I keep my conversations uh, private. You understand that, um, I'm sure. But uh, let me just give you a couple of generalities from the meeting. Uh, Folks, he's ready to fight. And let me tell you something. You have grossly, grossly miscalculated on the left if you think you're going to weaponize government to try to keep this guy from running for office and you think he's just going to roll over and play dead. You have grotesquely miscalculated. I put out a picture of the meeting last night. You just saw it on the screen. If you're watching on Rumble, if you're listening on the podcast, you can check it out on Rumble or on Locals or Instagram, on Facebook. I put up the picture thing. He is ready for a fight here. He knows exactly, exactly what he's dealing with. Make no mistake. Now, there have been some updates since I spoke to you last on this case. This, th- 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 Let's go over this nuclear thing first. You'll see this Washington Examiner story. FBI agents in Trump Mar-a-Lago raid sought nuclear weapons documents report. First, the leaks are ridiculous. Merrick Garland has told us repeatedly, right? Has he not? This this disgraceful, sniveling coward of a human being has told us repeatedly, we're not going to speak through the media. We're going to speak through charging documents. Yeah, well, that's not what happened. That's not what happened here. Again, we see these leaks meant to discredit Trump. Why do the leaks work? Because you get a leaker from the FBI, right? When the media has this, 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 this patina of authenticity. Oh, it's an FBI leak. Stewart just went over that, the FBI agent in the interview. And yet the great part about the leak is you can leak it to the Washington Post, to all their insiders who love big government now, the Washington Post, and Trump never gets to defend himself. And what would be, think about it, outside of finding like child pornography, what would be the worst thing you could leak to say out, to to throw out there? Oh my gosh, national security. Trump's giving away our secrets to foreign enemies. Nuclear. You have no idea what that means. Here's what I mean by that. And I base this on no... No conversation. I'm telling you just from my experience with these FBI guys in Spygate, the collusion hoax, the uh, the Hunter Biden Russia laptop disinformation hoax, do not trust anything they tell you, anything they tell you on first glance, anything. I'm, I'm sorry to have to tell you that, but you are an imbecile to trust the FBI and DOJ on the first pass that they found some kind of hidden cryptic nuclear codes that were like being given to the foreign enemies. That is the worst thing they could say. They knew that. That was done deliberately. You understand they leaked the term nuclear so everybody would panic. Oh my gosh, nuclear code. Trump was uh, had nuclear weapons documents in there. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But I know it's grossly unfair to leak that. And what if it's something, you know, he had uh, the meeting with Kim Jong-un and some kind of notes they had. 
that wrote back and forth that where it was it was mentioned oh we'll we'll take uh you know we'll downgrade your nuclear load or whatever it is the point is you have no idea either they leaked this for a reason folks You'll see in this court, sources tell the Washington Post such classified information was among the items agents looked for in the search, but declined to speak about any other materials that may have been sought. It remains unclear whether they found any nuclear documents, but experts cited in the report say this adds credence to fears by government officials they could be obtained by bad actors. Folks, Mar-a-Lago is guarded by the Secret Service. He's a former president. They just asked him on June 3rd, the DOJ and FBI, to put a Secret Service lock in a facility. Nobody was going to get that stuff. What kind of what kind of BS is this? Foreign actors? What, the Chinese Communist Party was going to send a bunch of their agents down to a locker room at Mar-a-Lago? Are you falling for this again? They knew the N-word, the nuclear word there. If they dropped that in there, they knew that that would create all kinds of headaches. And it doesn't even give the Trump team a chance to respond. It's even after they left their lawyers out of there. It is such a scam. I can't believe people are falling for this. Again and again and again, always getting worked over. You cannot trust these guys when it deals with Trump. It pains me to say it. I got a couple other things I want to get to. I should have kind of teed up the rest of the show. Please, please go to my newsletter today. I, I, it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. There's an article in there I'm going to get to in a minute after this. It's by Michael Anton, who you know we love on the show. It explains in clear language. It's a nice piece. It's about, about 2,000 words. It'll take you about 10 minutes to read. It is a elegantly written piece about why they cannot. They will burn this government to the ground because they cannot let Trump get back in office. It's called Why They Can't Let Him Back In. It's in the newsletter today. Please read it. We're going to go through their plan coming up here step by step. Their plan A, B, C, D, E, and F. We're going to go through all of it. Well, five par, whatever it is. They're gonna go, we're going to go through all of it. The plan to stop Trump and why they can't let him back in. He is a threat to everything. He's a threat to everything. He's a threat to their open borders policies, which empower them. He's a threat to their grift. He's a threat to their lobbying industry. He's a threat to everything. They cannot let him back in. And they are afraid of you. They don't want the great unwashed, the rednecks, the deplorables, the hayseeds. They don't want you, the real Americans who built this place, by the way. That's how they insult you every day. They don't want you back in charge. We've had Michael Anton on the radio show. We're trying to get him for the radio show later today. Um, he's, he's fantastic. He uh, put together this piece talking about why they can't let Trump back in. And the premise, it's a multi-part plan. I, it's five or six parts. I'm, I'm not sure, but you can read the piece yourself. I took screenshots from quite a few of them. But he talks about how Trump is a threat to everything. The Democrats have assumed that the swampy Republicans, follow me here, and, and, and along with the Democrats and the radical left, sometimes the same, sometimes not, right? That they would all work together for open borders policies in the future. They've done it. Even Reagan through Simpson-Mazzoli uh, basically gave amnesty to millions of people who came into the country illegally. The Democrats have relied on open borders policies for, for decades. They've relied on that as their power base. The Democrats have relied on attacking the national security infrastructure. They've relied on attacking the police, all of this stuff. These are all things Donald Trump fought against. The lobbying, the grift, he fought against all of it. He is an, an existential threat. The actual meaning of the word to the swamp, 
So Anton covers this multi-part plan they have to take Trump out. He talks about uh, plan A. He says, since the long goodbye has about as much chance as Kamala Harris completing a sentence without cackling, plan A, here's the first part, plan A to get rid of Trump because they can't let him back in, is to use the January 6th show trials to make it impossible for Trump to run again or barring that to win again. But it isn't working, at least not well enough. They may have dented Trump a little, but not nearly enough to prevent him from getting the GOP nomination. What have I told you? I've told you this over and over again. How many times I say this? Key, Joe, how many times I tell you this? The January 6th hearings has absolute, have nothing to do, nothing at all to do with getting to the bottom of what happened on January 6th. Nothing. Zero. We know what happened. We wish it wouldn't have happened. We know exactly what happened. There are a lot of open questions about what happened. But they're not trying to answer those open questions. Notice the FBI doesn't answer a bunch of questions about it. Everybody's quiet about it. Why there were open doors. There were other stuff that shouldn't have happened as well. But those questions have been answered. The real questions that are the open questions that the FBI won't answer and others, they don't want to deal with that. All they want to do is hold these star chamber-like show trial hearings to make sure he doesn't run again. That's plan A. But Anton notes in the piece, they can't let him back in is the name of the piece again, that that's not working. Maybe they made a small dent. Candidly, after, after last night, I don't believe they made any dent at all. Folks, their fundraising is through the roof. He seems energized. He really does. Uh, you know, th- you can toss it off to whatever. Oh, Dan, you're a Trump supporter. Listen, you know I'm objective with you when it comes to these kind of things. He seems energized, more energized than I've ever seen him. And v- very focused. Very focused. I think he knows exactly what he's up against. Here's plan B. Say that doesn't work. Remember, it's a multi-part plan. The Democrats cannot led him get back into office under any circumstances. Plan B, they want the January 6th committee to lay the groundwork for an indictment of Trump. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you 10 years ago, I would have said that that indictment of a former president, that is the most insane, you would, the country would burn to the ground. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. That is insane. And by the way, one quick note on that, to the, to that guy, what is it? Peter Werner or whatever his name is at the Atlantic who despite my repeated, repeated on digital video and audio, begging and pleading not to get baited into violence on this, try to imply that we want violence. I just want you to know you're disgusting and I'm ashamed that your parents spawned you. You degenerate loser. How dare you say that? All you had to do is go back and listen to my show where I'll say again, don't under any circumstances get baited into violence. Period. Disgusting, filth these people are. And you wonder why people hate the media. What's his name, Werner? Disgusting. Embarrassed for you and your entire family having spawned a loser like you. Violence. Me. Joe, how many times? How many times on this show? How many times do we have to speak out and say that is the red line? You never, there's no turning back. Sorry, I mean to get distracted. Plan B is an indictment. I would have never in a million years thought we'd be talking about an indictment of a former president on some trumped up, no pun intended, nonsense garbage charges they keep making up. So A, January 6th committee, plan B, the indictment, plan C. If none of this works, Anton notes, 
It's to have Trump declared ineligible under the insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment. Oh, my gosh. Good luck with that one, folks. You think um, stolen election claims bother you now? How bad that's that going to get if not only did you steal the election, but you stole the ballot in advance by keeping Trump off it? How you think this is going to end well politically for you? It's just stunning. It's probably the same idiots who thought raiding Trump's Mar-a-Lago compound was going to politically benefit them. You basically gave a $100 million campaign donation to Donald Trump. Plan, uh, plan D, just beat him at the ballot box, Anton notes. But they know, he notes that's also risky. The country's in desperate shape. Biden's enormously unpopular. Harris is spectacularly unpopular. And getting rid of one of them will be hard. But getting rid of both? Question mark. That's probably the option the Democrats are least likely to engage in is a free and fair election. You know they don't love that stuff. Anton notes plan E. Plan E is to cheat. Let me read this because this is great. He says, I know what you're thinking. He says, but I'm not talking about Dominion voting machines. He says, I mean the kind of pre-cheating, pre-cheating that the regime boasts about is, quote, election fortification. What he's talking about is changes in the rules in advance in ways that favor Democrats and hurt Republicans, especially in swing states. He says, there's no question they'll do this. Why wouldn't they? It worked last time. And the more overt cheating they can avoid, the better. Always leave cheating on the option on the option list, right? They will not let him get back in. But that requires us to acquiesce and let this all happen. And we're not going to do that. Which leaves plan F, he notes, which they've already sketched in broad outlines. He says, I don't know exactly what form it'll take, but they've made clear, this is Anton talking about the Democrats, that quote, under no circumstances can Trump be allowed to take office again. He says, amongst the circumstances, among the circumstances covered by the word no, would seem to be an electoral college majority or a tie followed by a House vote in Trump's favor. Anton notes, pay close attention to this because I've covered this repeatedly. He goes, what happens then? He says, well, in the words of the Transition Integrity Project, you've heard about them on my show before. It's a Soros network link uh, collection of regime hacks who in 2020 gamed out their strategy for preventing a Trump second term. The Transition Integrity Project notes that the contest would become, quote, these are their words, report these exactly as this Soros group has, the Transition Integrity Project. <sighs> Pay very close attention. They're co- they called for a street fight, not a legal battle. Anton notes, again, those are their words, not his. But allow Anton to translate. The 2020 summer riots, but orders of magnitude larger, not to be called off until their people are secure in the White House. That's plan F and the scariest one of all. Folks are not going to stop. They're not going to stop. Let me uh, throw one more headline in there for you. That is, um, I, I, I can't believe this happened either. You know, obviously I, I you know, worked in the secret service before. Why do I bring that up? Look at this headline from Fox News. DOJ requesting the personal cell phone numbers of Secret Service employees in the January 6th probe. Folks, I, I can't I can't get over it. They are going to burn this freaking place to the ground, man. They are going to burn it to the ground. Think about this. Think of the ramifications of this. I've got former Secret Service agents reaching out to me left and right. They can't believe this is happening. Personal cell phone numbers. Guys texting their wives. They may not be married. Maybe their girlfriends, significant others, boyfriends, whatever. I don't know. Texting their kids. 
photos they may have of their family on there. You got the January 6th committee threatening agents on a protective assignment to take their personal cell phones away because what is that, Plan G? You're going to subpoena everyone who is at any contact with government along with their personal cell phones. Folks, now some of you at home who are lefties might be thinking, oh my gosh, what's the big deal? Well, let me tell you what the big deal is because you're a moron on the left if you don't understand this. Folks, I spent five years, four and a half from Precision Matters and protective assignments on President Bush's detail and President Obama. It's hard. Paul and I struggled. The kids struggled. You're away from home 250, 300 days of the year when it gets hot. Sometimes more. My daughter used to cry every time I come out. I mean, little things you don't even think about. Like you're on the road so much. There's no, consi- you're in different time zones every night. I'm not whining. It was, it, it, I'm not a snowflake. I'm just trying to express to you why it's difficult to get people to go to the details now. You're not eating right. You get foreign, you get bugs from foreign, uh, uh, foreign countries all the time, bugs in the water, everything. It's not that they're dirty. It's just the bacterial content's different. You're always sick. You, nobody leaves the detail, the protective assignments in better shape when they came in. No one. You're never sleeping right. Again, your family's alone all the time. It's just brutal. Now you're going to tell me going forward that the precedent's been set that if you're on a protective detail, these January 6th, Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, goons, I don't blame it. The Democrats are losers. We expected that from Schiff and Benny Thompson. We, we, we totally get that. Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger are going to destroy and decimate the Secret Service now. They are never going to be able to get people on the details because no one's going to want to have their personal stuff dug through because they're on a protective assignment. Of course, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger didn't think about that because they're garbage. They're garbage people. They're garbage people. I don't mean sanitation workers. I respect them. I mean garbage people. Like they're the garbage sanitation people put in a garbage truck. That's who they are. And Liz Cheney, whose dad has benefited from the life and death decisions made by Secret Service agents. I protected her dad in a Simon out in, Mar- in the Marriott in Long Island back in what, 2000, 2001? You can probably go look it up. We protected your dad, not you. And now you're destroying the Secret Service because what, you give him the double-barreled, non-family-friendly middle finger? Garbage. You haven't thought of any of that, have you? No one's going to, who the hell's going to want to be a Secret Service agent now? Knowing you're just trying to do your job and protect these people. I protected Obama and Bush. I did my job. Just like these guys are doing it now. Now you're going to make them partisans too? Morons. So People are so stupid. I can't believe they fell for all this. All right, on a lighter note, today is Friday, so we've got the paper version today. It's time for questions for Dan. I didn't actually hear that because I'm remote, but I'll pretend I did. He throws that in there afterwards. All right, questions for Dan, my favorite segment of the week. At Bro Amos, Bromes. The FBI is desperate not to come up empty after the raid. What makes you think they won't just plant evidence? That's the kind of question, I uh, kid you not. Again, 10 years ago, I would have been like, bro that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Don't say that. Come on. We got the FBI, man. Standards. Uh, now? I mean, it's clear they fabricated a case and essentially planted evidence against Trump in the collusion hoax planted evidence by making Carter Page a target, even though they knew Carter Page was an asset of the CIA. I, I, I'm i not going to stop my monologue on my show tomorrow night and filter it on Fox. 
I'm not stopping at all going after the folks who did this. They're the ones sowing discord. I did nothing wrong. I served my country honorably. These people haven't. And by the way, I saw a congressman this morning who I respect on TV talking about, oh, you know, it's not the rank and file. You know what? It's not all the rank and file. I told you I work with a couple guys over there who are really terrific. And I'm sure there are a lot of patriots there. But no, no, no. This isn't a all the rank and file are good either. The rank and file involved in that Mar-a-Lago raid should be fired too. Everyone. Everyone. Don't, don't, don't start backing down now, getting cute. You know exactly what happened. If there's some allegation of wrongdoing that turns out to be substantiated, there was a different way to handle it than to burn the Constitution to the ground that if you took part in it, I'm ashamed for you. All right. Uh, this is at Jackson 11. Growing up in New York, did you listen to the great Bob Grant? Of course. Uh, who didn't? It was a hard to, uh, hard to avo- uh, avoid. It is everywhere. Um, I listened to, a, growing up in New York, I listened to a lot of things. I listened to Howard Stern before he became a lunatic. Uh, I listened to, you know, 1010 Wins. It was a news station. You give us 10 minutes, we'll give you the world. And like every good New York, I wasn't, I didn't listen to Bob Grant a lot, but um, I listened to uh, the fan, WFAN. Remember Mike and the Mad Dog? Mike and the Mad Dog, Sports Radio 66. I know I'm a terrible singer, especially when it comes to jingles. But I listened to Mike and the Mad Dog. Uh, I used to have a, a small radio, and when I was working over the summer in the cemetery cleaning mausoleums, I'd have them on all day, talking about the Knicks and the Bulls and stuff. I remember that. Uh, okay. At Jacktron, just Jacktron, you get a lot of questions in there. Guy must really like you. Have you ever thought about doing a GNA live stream just for your local subscribers? A live stream? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't want to say too much. I have a lot of plans for the future of the show. Uh, live streams are one of them. I mean, I essentially do a three-hour live stream on Fox Nation now with the, the radio show. I don't know if you guys know this. If you subscribe to Fox Nation, the radio show is on Fox Nation on a live stream on video. You can watch it. You actually stays on during the breaks to the camera, which I'd say I'm not responsible for. Okay. Um, at Mortar, a joke, of course. At Mortar 73. Hey, Dan, how should the Secret Service handle a search warrant on protected individuals? This is a good question. I'm getting this a lot. There's like five, six different iterations of this question or versions of this question I've seen. Folks, the Secret Service are federal agents first. They're federal agents first with a protective mission. They're not protective agents first with a federal agent mission. Do you get the distinction? What I'm trying to tell you is the same rules that apply to the FBI, the DEA, IRS agents apply to the Secret Service. If you are given a lawful order and a search warrant on a protectee and told to step aside, as long as there's not a security situation, which you need to remedy immediately, you, you have to step aside. They have no, they have no choice in that matter. Um, they, they, they could be arrested for obstructing justice. So they have to just comply like anyone else. I know it creates a weird situation, but uh, it does. Um, at IC Sheeple, how was Trump's demeanor last night? Um, amazing. Came in the room, uh, everybody started clapping. The dinner was just with me and Paula and him, which was very nice. We didn't have a whole crowd of people around, kind of a little bit of a secluded table, but we talked about a lot of stuff. Obviously, out of respect, I keep that private, but demeanor-wise, that's, you know, there were other people who can acknowledge this. He's been public about it. I'm telling you, I am, I, I, chalk it up to hyperbole all you want. I'm telling you as objectively as I possibly can, 
The man is 1,000% ready for a fight. And if you think otherwise, you have severely, grotesquely miscalculated the situation. You take, you do with that what you want. If I thought this guy was ready to tuck and run, I'd tell you, he's not. All right, let's do one more. Uh, uh, Waldo, uh, let's go to this one, Rick Ebel. A little bit of a lighter note we'll end on the week on. What type of music do you listen to when you work out? Country music's my go-to when training. Love the show. It's the best part of my day. Just keep on doing what you were born to do. Thanks, Rick. Um, I don't listen to music when I work out. It drives Paula crazy because Paula uh, will, cannot work out without music on. Now, Paula listens to uh, anything that is um, uh, that, that you can dance to. A lot of, uh, who's her, like, like Mana, like any kind of uh, Spanish theme music. She loves it. She And she'll start dancing in between the workout. Sometimes, you know, I'm like, hey, hey, hey. But that's for another show. That's the non-family friendly show. So, but yeah, she. I don't listen to music and it drives her nuts. Sometimes I do listen to music because sometimes I work out with Paula. So I put a picture up on my local. She took a snap of me working out. That one got a lot of attention. That time I was listening to music, but when I am listening to music, I like Kid Rock, uh, Jody Messina, Brad Paisley, John Rich. Uh, I love country. Uh, I like old school 1980s rap music. <laughs> Sorry, I do. I just, you couldn't, you were just bathed in it in New York, 80s, 90s, you know, so that kind of stuff I still have on there. Um, yeah, wait till the cancel culture people get a hold of that stuff, by the way. But I don't listen to music when I work out. So that's the uh, that's the uh, dirty little secret. I, I like I like to focus hard. I focused a little too hard the other day, not to beat this point up, but I think I hurt my shoulder. I was doing uh, that Bulgarian 10 by 10 sets for bench presses. And oh, my shoulder's killing me. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Just a couple small requests. If you'd subscribe to my podcast, I'd really appreciate it. The numbers on Rumble this week have been bananas rumble.com slash Bongino. It is free to follow, free to subscribe. And then uh, secondly, check out my Fox show tomorrow night. I got Tim Pool on, which I'm excited about. I'll be live in studio tomorrow night, Saturday, 9 p.m. Uh, Tim Pool is a guest. I've got uh, Pete Hegseth, and I've got a stinging monologue where I'm going to challenge the FBI's ongoing credibility. Uh, I think you're going to walk away from this convinced. I made a pretty strong case that if change doesn't happen, we're not going to have a country at the FBI soon with them like they're acting now. I'll see you all on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard Dan Bongino.